Let me know if you would turn to heaven number 471. 471. Say 
number 306. This is an offertory hymn. Singing the first and last verses. We'll stand on the last verse. Hymn number 306. There's a royal banner given for display to the soldiers of the king. And an ensign fair we lifted up today while we can't someone's be seen. Marching on, marching on, for Christ counts everything below. And to crown him king, all and sing neath the banner of the stand with us on the last verse if you would when the glory dawn still drawing very near it is hastening day by day then before our king the foe shall disappear and across the world shall swim marching on marching on for Christ counts everything but loss, and to crown him king, tall and sing, underneath the banner of the cross. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and your care. You're watching over us. Now, Lord, bless this offering. Bless both the gift and the giver. May you, everything we say and done here honor and glorify your precious name. For it's the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.
day, winter, 1989. I'm leaving out of Clark Junior High School with my brother and some friends. All of a sudden, we run into this popular gang leader, has a reputation for killing. Fear grips my heart. He stops us, pulls out a gun, points it to my head, and says, give me your shoes. He says, don't run, I'll kill you. Amazingly, ended up escaping that situation. As I look back on it, it was God's grace. But that was the last straw for my dad and my family. They had had enough of the violence and the crime. And so we moved to Houston, Texas. Little did I know, 25 years later, God would give me the privilege to come back to my hometown and preach the good news of his son to the people of East St. Louis. Growing up in East St. Louis was a real blessing. Man, this is the house that I grew up in. When my parents said we were moving to Houston, Texas, and I was excited. I heard about Texas. I didn't know much about it, but I just knew it was different from East St. Louis. So we moved to Houston, Texas, and three words that begin with S really began to take over my life. Uh, sex, substance abuse, and sports. Really, sex was like my religion, and substance abuse was my escape. Sports was my God, and I didn't want to have anything to do with God or Jesus. I just wanted to be consumed and it got to a point where I began to uh, do drugs and sell drugs on my college campus. It really got crazy, lost my scholarship. My friends back in Houston came to me and they said, we know what you need, Kempton. You need to go to Mardi Gras. And I was out there drinking, smoking with girls, being wild. And right there, near Bourbon Street in Mardi Gras, God sent a man and a woman right there to tell us about Jesus Christ. And I'm like, wait up, man, hold up. I'm out here on the street getting wild. But God starts to do a work in my heart. And we pray with this woman and this man. And that's when God really begins to pursue me. I get back home in Houston and I'm in my house by myself, and I lift up my, my fat blunt, smoking weed, lift it up to the sky. It's kind of funny now that I do this. Never seen anybody lift their hands in, in my life. And I just said, Jesus, if you are real, if you are the Jesus that I heard about growing up in East St. Louis, then you have to come and deliver me because I am ready to die. That gentleman there, Kempton, uh, he is one of the NAM church planters in uh, East St. Louis is across the Mississippi River. It's actually in Illinois right there when you uh, go from St. Louis over to in the Illinois side. But that just shows his uh, story that he grew up in inner city St. Louis, right there in East St. Louis, went down to, uh, had the party culture there in Houston and and in New Orleans, someone shared the gospel. I went to, I lived uh, two years in New Orleans. Uh, Sherry and I's first year of marriage was there. And I went to New Orleans Seminary. And they have, there are evangelism teams. New Orleans is a place that's neat to visit. It's neat to see some of the old historical sites. But I remember Sherry and I saying, we never would want to live here. 
And the lostness, the party culture, the, uh, the alcohol. But there were teens from our Southern Baptist Seminary there that would go into the French Quarter, and they would, and they're at, um, they're at the main square, and they would share the gospel with people, and they would get saved. And because they were in a, 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 a state of misery. So I shared that video. I thought it was an interesting, neat video, because when we give to Annie Armstrong, well, that's the season we're in right now, one of the great things about our church is we give to missions. We, um, we might not be able to be there in New Orleans, but we've got missionaries and church planters there in New Orleans in French Quarter sharing the good news with folks because our church, you and I, we give. So I was very encouraged to see that. Open your Bibles, book of Luke, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 39. We are going through the Gospel of Luke. Tonight's going to be a temptation for some of you. There were six handouts back there, so it's going to be tempting to read your handout during, uh, during the sermon. So, but, that, uh, but that is, uh, we have after this, after our service night, we have our bi-monthly business meeting. So we'll be going over those handouts um, and sharing about that. A lot of good things going on here at church. We're going through the Gospel of Luke here, and um, we're here on, we're going to look at two sections. This is the call of Levi, it's the call of Matthew. And then we're going to look about, uh, Jesus took a question that uh, was really about fasting, and he turned it in around and said, you know, if you, if you want to trust the Lord, he's going to do something new. And he certainly was doing something new. What it means to be a believer is God does new things with um, what he's doing. But we're going to see right here, verse 27, Luke 5, 27 says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. His name's also Matthew. Matthew was a Jewish man who worked for the Roman government and collected taxes against the Jewish people. So what that meant is no one liked him because he was the guy you look at and go, this man's a traitor. He's one of us. We hate the Roman government in the first place. And here, one of us is collecting taxes. What this would be like is, say, Russia takes over our nation. And Russia owns the U.S. And uh, Rodney Welch decides he's going to get a job with the Russian government. And he's going to work for the Russians. And what his job is, is he's going to go around to us and make us pay our taxes. In a, not, not just our taxes to the U.S., regular taxes, the taxes to the Russians. And we look at him and go, Rodney, why on earth are you collecting taxes on me? I'm one of you. We're church members together. You're working for the Russians. That's what this is going. That's who Matthew is. Nobody liked this guy. He's on the wrong team, and he's collecting from his own people. He's a traitor. So that's who this guy is right here. So Jesus is about to get the guy that no one likes. So he goes up to this tax collector named Levi. He's sitting at the tax office. Means that work? You just sit there and collect money. And he walks up, and Jesus doesn't, he doesn't walk up and pay his taxes. He looks at the guy and says, follow me. And it says, now this is, what a way to leave everything behind, because that's a good job if you work for the Roman government, and you're a Jewish person, and you're taxing your own people, because what you could do is, if Rodney worked for the Russians, and he, he said my tax bill was $1,000 when it was really 700 but he wanted to make it $1,000. He'd pocket 300 And I can't do anything about it because this is a Russian 
Russian country, we're owned by them, and they hired them. It's just, that's what very easily, temptation, if you were a tax collector like Matthew, you could easily, you needed to go somewhere, go to a nice restaurant, you could easily just add in some extra uh, dollars into whatever their tax bill is and put it in your pocket. No one would know. So Jesus walks up to this man and says, follow me, I want you to become a disciple. That's all he says. That is the gospel call to folks. Jesus, when he calls you, he doesn't tell you where you're going. He doesn't tell you what's going to happen. He's just saying, guys, it's time to follow me. And it says here, so leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. He left it behind. Matthew became a follower of Jesus. And you often think, why would someone give this up? I personally believe Matthew was probably at one of those places in his life, Levi here, that he had nothing else to live for. He had no, no one liked him. He was just a social outcast. You know, like, what do I have to lose? I've got all the money. I've ripped everybody off, and the, everyone hates me, except this one guy who's looking at me saying, buddy, I'll be your friend. Follow me. There's a sense of hope, a gospel call there. Jesus is going to the guy that no one likes. Then Levi hosted a grand banquet. And remember, <clears throat> the Pharisees, other guys are going to come to this grand banquet. Don't miss the phrase there, a grand banquet. When you have a grand banquet at your house, what does that also involve? It also involves money. If you knew Levi was a crook and he's stealing your money, and he's about to throw a big party with whose money? Your money that he stole. So he's, he's throwing a big party here with money he stole from the people. <laughs> so that's the grand banquet. He had all the money he wanted. So he's got a big party. It is at home. There was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were guests with him. The reason why this is important is he didn't have any other friends. <laughs> no, the church folks wanted to come because nobody liked the guy. So he had to go find the other, ta the other tax booth down the road. So he's inviting other riffraff there in the city in Jerusalem. and said, why don't you all just come to my party since I can't get anyone else to come. So they're there, but the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, what I love about this is, who are the Pharisees complaining to? They're not complaining to Jesus, because they keep getting put to shame. So they go to the 12 disciples, the other guys who are uh, following Jesus, and they say, you know, you're, you're following this guy, the Lord. But look at him. He's a sinner. He's eating and drinking with the, the lowlifes. These are crooks. Like, look at the, you ever want to know what type of person you are? You look at your friends. You say, what type of people do I hang around? Just like Kenyon there on the little video, he goes down to Houston, and you see what he got involved in is because his friends are. You know, they say, well, one of the things about parenting is you need to guard your friends, your children's friends, because who their friends are is what type of child you have. You wonder, I wonder if my child is good. Well, look at your friends. And say, okay, are these good friends? Are these good influences? Your friends, the people you surround yourself, that's what type of man, that's what type of woman you are. So that's what they're trying to do to Jesus. They're saying, this guy that you're, you're saying, Jesus is so great, he's a bum. Look, look at his friends. They're all sinners. They're, they're the worst people in the community. Jesus replied to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is saying here, my purpose is to go to people like Matthew. 
My purpose is to go to these people that no one else like. The position people hold to follow Jesus many times is different from the position people hold to attain worldly wealth. So what this I mean by this is Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, you leave everything, and my call I'm offering to you is radically different than the call the world offers. Following Christ is not going to look worldly. You might have came from a worldly background, but it's actually a countercultural commitment you make. You know, one of the things God spoke to me about, you know, we see here the purpose. Jesus is, re- Jesus is reflecting his mission. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. How does he call those people? He calls them through us as believers. He calls them through his churches. You know, I drive to church and to work here, and I pull out from Monticello Road, and I drive down Clay's Mill Road to make a left. Every day, over and over again. And God spoke to me and says, Dean, are you praying for the other churches and the other pastors you pass? I mean, you think about it. I pass a community church on the left, then comes an independent Baptist church on the right, then comes a free Methodist church on the right, then right there at the turn on Pasadena, there's an assembly of God and a church of Christ. All in one mile, five churches right there we drive past other churches all the time all the time you'll leave and go home you'll pass a church do you pray that these other churches they're also leading people to christ they're winning their community to the lord yes or yesterday morning at eight o'clock was our men's prayer breakfast we had this guy named gavin dewerson listen to this he gave us the statistics what he did, his, his ministry, and his, his son comes to our school here at Bluegrass Academy, our, um, our uh, homeschooling that meets here on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Y'all know we have 152 high schoolers that meet from 9th to 12th grade on Tuesdays and Thursdays. 152. They have record attendance. Do you know our preschool, Miss Sherry Lyons, there are over, I think, 73 preschoolers. Record attendance. And we started our preschool here 30-something years ago. It hit an all-time high this year. The Bluegrass United BUAC that meets here, all-time high. Gavin's son goes to our school. He comes up here to do his core classes. And God placed on his heart that there were people here in Lexington that weren't being reached for the gospel. So, and I don't know because I'm not a skateboarder, but somewhere in Lexington there's a skate park. And if you want to reach skateboarders, they're not going to come to your church. Because a lot of times on Sunday morning, they're at the skate park. So what did he do? He went to go start a church at the skate park. He says, if you're not going to come to church, we're just going to take it to you. And he started, and he's led folks to the Lord and baptized them at the skate park. Then they, listen to this, what was great about it, they planted a new church somewhere. There's another skate park somewhere in Nicholsville down the road. So there's two of them they've started. That's that type of missional mindset. The gospel call isn't just Broadway. It goes out to other, everyone. The five churches. This week, God's spoke. He said, Daniel, you should be praying for these churches. Praying for the pastors and their leadership. 7% of Fayette County actually goes to church on a Sunday. 
7%. That's what Gavin told us yesterday. For every 100 people, 7 were in church this morning. This city is a mission field. Completely. And one church can't reach all. We need, we need literally thousands of churches, all types of churches, of folks just going out and sharing the good news. That's what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is going to the guy that no one else likes and wants. And he led him to Christ. He became a follower. He dropped everything. And you know, the amazing thing about Matthew, what we forget, Matthew, we think, well, if, if Matthew wanted to hurt, if Levi here wanted to hear the gospel, why didn't he just come to the synagogue and hear Jesus preach? Would Matthew have gone to the synagogue? No. Not at all. There's some folks, they're not setting foot in this sanctuary. They just aren't. For whatever reason, they will not come to the sanctuary. But that still doesn't mean we're done with them. We take the gospel of them. Jesus went to them on the street and says, Matthew, Levi, you need to be a follower. You, you're gonna, God expects you to follow. Become a disciple. Next story here. Verse 33. Then they said to him, John's disciples fast often. Now we're, we're comparing, we're, we're now comparing Jesus' disciples to John the Baptist's disciples. John the Baptist's disciples fast often to say prayers. And those of the Pharisees do the same, but yours eat and drink. So what this, what this attack is, is, you know, the Pharisees have disciples. John the Baptist has some disciples, and they fast, and they pray, and they're righteous people. But Jesus, look at your disciples. They're wild drunks. I mean, I can't believe these people would even qualify to be disciples. Who are these people? I mean, Peter? Andrew? Like, these aren't first-class folks. You rounded up with a bunch of scraggly men at the lake. Like, these aren't the folks that came through the academy and the, the most educated people. Your disciples just don't cut it. So that's essential. That's what they're saying here. They're saying you're, they're drunks. These are bums. Who do they think they are? They use foul language. They're out of control. They eat and drink. Jesus said to them in verse 34, this is really a message about change right here, what he's about to tell us. <clears throat> I read the newspaper. I'm the only guy under 50 here in the city that reads it, but I do every, every day. I grew up going to Toys R Us. We would go there and uh, go shopping. Santa Claus would get ideas there, and we'd... Um, we would go the one in Hoover, Alabama. Then we were there in Georgia. We would go to the one in Fayetteville, Georgia, and we go to. And it's always dangerous because you were either going to go there and fill out a shopping list, or you were going to spend three hundred dollars when you went to Toys R Us. And uh, it was just neat. I mean, it was a two-hour experience. And many of you are saying you remember Jeffrey the the giraffe. In yesterday's newspaper, Toys R Us just folded. They went out of business. And I was reading this, and it talks about their nostalgic customers, folks remembering going to the toy store. And you say, well, what, what sent Toys R Us out of business? Amazon sent Toys R Us out of business. Nowadays, people go online on their, on their phone, their computer, or their iPad, and they buy their toys, which costs less, free shipping, and two days later, there's your toy right in front of you. And you don't have to worry about a coupon. You just go right ahead and, and, and purchase it. And the article here talks about how Toys R Us wasn't able to adapt to the changing culture of toy retail business 
They were focusing on the experience of coming and looking at the toy, saying, well, this looks neat, let's buy it. Well, that's not how folks shop anymore, apparently. They shop online. And this company with 700-plus stores is really, which is an iconic company here for children throughout America, it's, a, it's over, it's gone. It's folding up. And probably the one here on Nixon's story. So I share that story because this is what Jesus is about to tell. He's about to say, guys, if this applies to Broadway, the gospel, the message, that's the gospel, it never changes. This book is a 2,000-year-old book. And we proclaim and preach and teach this book. Everything's rooted in the Bible. But the methods, how we go about doing it, how we go about proclaiming and communicating this message, constantly have to change. If they don't, you go out of business. That's what I just learned from Toys R Us. They have a great product. We love toys. We buy toys all the time. Play with them every day. They have them all over our house. It's not that kids aren't playing with toys anymore. It's not that folks aren't reading, reading their Bible anymore. In fact, Gavin was sharing, he was saying in other parts of the world, there is a revival going on. The gospel still saves souls and speaks to folks. It's how we communicate it. The methods constantly change. The type of ministry we do today will not be the same. Ten years. I remember ten years ago. You know what we used to do? We used to buy 3,000 postcards, just like this. We'd have a bunch of about ten folks, and they would sit there, they'd get their little postcards, and they would, when it was um, Easter, or um, especially for VBS, we'd address them, we'd buy a list of everybody in our community within like a seven-mile radius, and we'd have one Sunday afternoon, they'd serve pizza and Coke and stuff like that, and you'd address your postcards, and you mail them to folks, and invite them to church, invite them to that. Well, that's not, that's expensive now. Now, advertising, it's shifted to the internet. You connect to folks because they live on their phone. So you're stepping in their world. So what was this norm just 10 years ago is now what folks don't do like they used to. It's changed. The message is still the same. That's what, this is what Jesus is saying. Look where, right here. Luke chapter 5, verse 33. Then he said to them, John's disciples fast often and say prayers, and those of the Pharisees do the same, but yours eat and drink. Jesus said to them, you can't make the wedding guests fast while the groom is with them, can you? What that means is Jesus is the groom. says, why are you fasting when I'm here? But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. And those are the days we live in now. Jesus is in heaven, and we need to be, we need to be fasting for revival. Be fasting for the Lord to speak to us. He also told them a parable. Here's the parable here. No one tears a patch from a new garment and puts it on the old garment. Otherwise, not only will he tear the new, but also the piece from the new garment will not match the old. Nowadays, everything's disposable, but back in the old days, people used to put patches on your jeans. And you would repair your clothes. Instead of just going to Amazon buying new clothes. But that's what would happen. Verse 37, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, it will spill, and the skins will be ruined. 
No, put new wine into fresh wine skins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new because he says the old is better. What Jesus just said here is if you have a patch and you have a garment, a piece of clothes, you put a new patch on new clothes. They match, they shrink together, they fit perfectly. You put new wine into new wineskins because it will expand and the wineskins will be able to accommodate that. And what Jesus is saying here is his new message needs to come about, and he's ushering in a new covenant. What the Pharisees were attacking here, they were saying, the way we get close to God is by following these religious rituals. And Jesus is saying, your religious rituals, yes, I acknowledge them, but I'm setting up a new, new method of religious rituals. The new method is me. I'm the bridegroom, and it, while I'm here on earth, you don't need to be fasting. You need to be listening and spending time with me. He's ushering in a new covenant. But this principle applies and communicates to us that our methods should also be adaptable. Jesus is saying it's okay to change the methods, but the message should never change. Now we see here in this uh, passage about this, and what the Lord's telling us is that there's a new way of doing things. Fasting for show or fasting for God? And when we go through the book of Luke here, as we study our Bibles and we love the Lord, we need to say, Lord, am I living completely for you? Am I like Matthew? And if folks aren't going to come to the church, I'm going to go find my Matthews. Or when Jesus tells me to follow him, I leave everything behind and follow him. Or are we like the Pharisees, who they just couldn't change. And Jesus is saying, there's new wine, therefore there needs to be new wineskins. There's a new patch, therefore there needs to be a new set of clothing that it fits onto. Jesus is telling us that we as believers, we have to have an intentional, do-whatever-it-takes attitude of taking the gospel to every single person. It should break our heart, 93% of our city did not go to church this morning. We, we should be saddened by this. It's easy for us to look at videos in East St. Louis, Illinois, there across the Mississippi River and say, I'm so glad I don't live in St. Louis. But we do. We live in a lost city. It might just not be as visible, but the lostness. Someone is lost and going to hell if they are in a perfectly safe, nice home versus if they are in the inner city, of a, inner city slums of a great American city. Either way, they do not know Jesus. They're going to the same place. And what Christ is asking us tonight, will you go? Will you be a part of that? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of Luke. I pray that we will be a church that realizes that the sick need a doctor. Lord, I pray that we will not forget the cost that was paid. Lord, we celebrated the Lord's Supper this morning. You gave your life so that the entire world can be saved. I pray we have the boldness and courage to take this this message here, these 66 books of the Bible, and be intentional about going out. 
Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. We give you this invitation and pray we respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gene King's going to lead us in our invitational hymn. I'll be standing out front. This is your opportunity to respond to God. So let's stand together. I'll be standing out front waiting for hymn you. Hymn number 435, Just As I Am. Just as I am without one plea, uh, that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to David, we're about to have a business meeting that starts in a few minutes, so you want to hang around. You should have six handouts. Now, they're back here in the corner, so you just go down the pew and just grab your handout. So hang out in five or six minutes. We'll be getting started. So get your handouts.